Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sarah Wilson, and this is Wild a show where we talk with the biggest minds in the world about the ideas that can help us love and save our one wild and precious life together on this planet. Welcome, everyone, to another Wild Ask Me Anything mini podcast. Um, With this week's Ask Me Anything, uh, which is being published a little late, I'm sorry about that, I've had a few things going on, Um, we're going to do something a little bit more every day. There's a lot going on in the world and so I thought I'd keep things a little simple this week Um, and a little bit meta, um, not in the Mark Zuckerberg sense of the word. So Kai Akita from my Substack community, she's a very regular participant in the community, she sent in the question last week asking if I would talk here on Wild on the Wild podcast about how I do wild, as in the podcast, so the mechanics of things. Um, and I figured it's something that a lot of people are interested in, whether you're wanting to start your own podcast or you're just intrigued how it all works. I remember listening to Tim Ferriss doing one along these lines and um, I loved it. It's a little bit like a few years ago um, we all took to reading blogs about um, how writers went about writing, so the writing habits of writers, and uh, we were all obsessed. There was countless blogs and also books on the subject. So we might get a little bit granular. To start off with, I use Riverside. It's an app that I find a bit clunky. It takes up a lot of internet um, and it requires using Chrome, which a lot of my guests don't like using. There's often a delay as well if one of us has slow internet. Um, which seems to be a curse that follows me around the planet. And that does mean that it drops out and also there's often a delay. So I find it so frustrating because when there is a delay, it's almost impossible to know when to interrupt your guest and to show enthusiasm or to, to add a follow-up question. Um, it's it, As I say, it's clunky. Uh, what else? I use this microphone if you're watching the video, you can see that it's a Rode microphone. It's a rectangle. It's super heavy. I've got two of them because often when I'm traveling, I'll be doing an IRL interview and I need two two microphones. When I'm traveling carry-on, which is most of the time, um, it's a bit of a problem because they're so heavy. So I put them in my pockets. I've even worn them in jeans pockets before. Okay. um, So that's sort of my equipment and then just basic headphones. Um, It's pretty simple. I've been known to do podcasts in cupboards, in Airbnbs when there's noise outside, under a doona or a duvet. 
uh, again to kind of cushion background noise. Um, Then I gave up on all of that and just figured most of you are just kind of okay with echoes and background noises. Here in Paris, invariably there is just the sound of a siren. Um, It's the background to Paris. Uh, I've also done one recently in a camper van, parked illegally in sweltering heat. Like I, halfway through the interview, I had to take off my top and my and my shorts, and there were people knocking on the door. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's a bit of a roundup of my setup. It's very very unprofessional. I'm not an expert at this at all. In fact, I'm not a natural podcast host. I don't think. Um, I'm much better at being a guest. I'm more agile in the moment. I like thinking on the spot. I like attending to what people ask me. So I guess this ask me anything format, um, yeah, it goes well for me, I suppose. Uh, yeah, as a host, I tend to over-research. I go down rabbit holes. I always feel that I'm not quite ready enough for the guest. Uh, I tend to get super, super interested in their work. I'll read their book. I'll listen to several podcasts that they've done with other guests. Uh, Let me see. I'll look at their website and just have a look to see, you know, what they've wanted to flag. You know, you often get a few clues as to what they're interested in uh, in that way. Uh, What else? Um, Yeah, invariably I have imposter syndrome in and around podcasting. I saw a meme this morning, though. It said an app for people with imposter syndrome who can I think passed on pass on their vibes to you know these terrible leaders that we've got at the moment. I'm paraphrasing that terribly. Anyway, Kai asked a bunch of questions um, that are quite specific, so I'll go through each of them and answer them on the spot. So, how do you go about choosing your guests? Do some people request to be on your show? And also, she asks if I pay guests to come on the show. All right. So I never pay ever, ever, nor do guests pay me, but I know that there are some podcasts out there where both do happen. So there are some podcasts that, you know, are all about interviewing business coaches and CEOs, and these CEOs will pay to be on the podcast. I don't do anything like that. Um, I, I generally send out an email flagging my interest in the work, uh, I flag um, my aim with the podcast and uh, that generally gets me across the line with the guests that I have on the show. And I'll also list other guests that have been on there that are like-minded. So I will do research to see. So I'll go on to Instagram to see if uh, this, you know, this guest I'd like to have on the program follows any of the other guests I've had on the program and so on and so forth. Or I'll do a Google search where I put those two names in or something uh, just to make that connection. I generally have a list of about 20 people that I am fascinated by, where I've read their book, I've read an article that they've they've um, written, an essay that they might have written. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'll top that list up on a regular basis. And so I have this wonderful woman called Liana who works remotely for me and she goes through that list and she sends out uh, the emails on my behalf um, asking these guests to be involved invariably we have to go to a publicist so they've written a book it'll go through a book publisher and a book publisher will generally provide budget for this kind of thing uh, for about two to four weeks after the publication of a book Um, so if you can get in there in that time you might be slotted into the Australian media um, sort of lineup. Uh, What else? Um, 
yeah, so it'll be a book. They will have said something in an article that I've loved. They may be somebody in one of my books and I want to follow up on an idea or it's just someone I'm obsessed with. So uh, Sheena Ainga would be an example of that. I read her book many years ago. She's the blind academic who essentially came up with that whole art of choosing, the paradox of choice um, theory and and research uh, she's the original researcher in that space and I just loved her work and I was fascinated by the idea that she was fully blind and she did all this research. Like I struggled to write a book um, with albeit shonky eyesight but, yes, still functioning to a certain extent. Sister Helen Prejean who wrote um, Dead Man Walking and um, Susan Sarandon plays her in the movie. I was obsessed by her. I've always been obsessed by death row and also by nuns. So the combination was potent there. And she um, she was somebody who was just a wonderful, wonderful um, guest and super enthusiastic. And I'll, I'll put that episode in the show notes um, below so you can listen to that if you haven't already. I tend to rotate between issues, uh, climate, AI, heavy stuff, but then some more beautiful, uplifting philosophy about how to live a better life. Uh, I try to have some kind of proportional representation of people on the planet. So I've had quite a number of Indigenous people um, and I probably have guests, you know, 50-50 male-female ratio. Um, Interestingly, women, the female guests, do better, get a lot more downloads. Um, Another interesting fact for you, uh, we generally find, well, the stats show that male podcasters um, tend to have 10 to 20% female guests on their podcasts, which is quite horrible. Reflects very much um, men's reading patterns as well. So men tend to read 90% of the books they read are by male writers and 10 to 20% are female writers, whereas for women it's 60% female, 40% male. Okay, so I'll also then make sure that the guest speaks to a wild idea. They must have a wild idea. I don't just, you know, they they must have contributed something. The fact that they might be fun and famous and in the public eye is not enough for me. So um, I always put myself in the shoes of the person scrolling through the latest apps, you know, in in their app and what words in the descriptor might grab them, you know. So I'm always doing that. I I do that with my writing when I'm writing books. When I was a magazine editor, I actually imagine myself naively um, for the first time looking at at something. Um, I also put my magazine editor hat on to the extent that I ask, how does this thing, this topic, this conversation, how's it going to help me with my life? And I go from there. So I've, I progress ideas as I go. The metacrisis is one thing that's been progressing, um, civilizational collapse, another one. It requires a crescendo, I guess. Um, I am increasingly aware of serving the community as well, um, giving the stuff across that maybe doesn't uh, render me very popular with advertisers. We might get to that because I think Kai asks a question to that extent. Okay, so um, let me see. What's the next question? Oh, yes, and, and, and do any of these people approach me? Yes, that does happen. And quite often it's from very considered older people, like people who are awesome and have had 50-year careers, and they'll write me a very polite email asking if I'd be interested in having them on the podcast. So um, the head of PETA, the Animal Rights Organisation, 
Ingrid Newkirk. She reached out to me and said that she'd been listening to my podcast and would like to appear on it, which was wonderful. Interesting, given that I'm not a vegan or a vegetarian. Um, e. Jean Carroll, who is the woman who sued Trump uh, for that sexual harassment instance, um, and I think she's still back in court or back in court with him again. Um, she's that advice columnist and, again, she emailed me as well. So I'm hoping to have her on the show soon. We've lost touch a little bit. Um, the philosopher Alain de Baton recently reached out and I'll be interviewing him when I'm in London soon. And Paul Hawken, who is an upcoming guest, he also emailed me. He listens to the podcast and wrote to me to congratulate me on the podcast. And uh, I said, well, why don't you come on it? I'd actually tried to get him on it about a year previously. Okay, next question. What is the process of your research and planning before you interview someone? Do you plan all your questions ahead of time or do you go with the flow of the conversation? Perhaps pulsing between the two. Do you get nervous? Yes, I get nervous always, always. I sort of don't trust myself if I don't get nervous. And are there questions you want to ask but refrain from asking? Okay, so the research, I think I've covered that off. I read the book. I listen to other podcasts that they've done. I plan, yes. So I plan a flow of questions according to how I think the listener is going to need the complex topic sort of explained to them step by step. Now, what often happens is a guest who's an expert in a field and has been talking about their subject forever, they'll just go into this comprehensive overview um, and it will jump ahead without too enough explainers. So often before I hit record, I say, hey, listen, bear with me. We're going to go step by step and um, so we can break it down for the listener. Um, it doesn't always go to plan though. So I remember Tim Ferriss uh, said that he generally works to about four or five questions. Any more than that, it becomes complex. I probably work to a few more than that. And then I have sort of these tabulated little extra bits that are, I, I guess, you know, brain farts, things that I can bring up if if it's relevant or things that I need to sort of bear in mind as the person's talking um, or, or that I would like to ensure that they flesh out because I know listeners would be interested in it as well. Um, okay, let me see. Um, as I say, yeah, what else? What's, are there questions I want to ask but refrain from asking? Yes, sometimes. Or I will ask it in a way that um, drops the subject in, them, the, in there and I wait to see if they want to go there and then we can go further. I've just done a very, very difficult podcast with um, with a guest and it will be running next week. And I, halfway through the interview, realised that some of the questions were going to be too heavy or at least the answers were going to be too heavy for a lot of people. So I saved them, bunched them up at the end, and I'll be running them in this segment um, for the paid Substack community. So it's just so that people who really want that content can have access to it, but it's really confronting. So that's the reason for that. Do you prefer to interview in person if logistics permit? Yes, I do. Eye contact, bodily um, movement and uh, being able to read people's energy is so important to me. Even the smell of a person is something that can really impact a conversation that I'm having. Um, and again, the delays that I often have um, make the recording um, the virtual recording is really, really difficult. You mentioned in a recent thread that you are not sure how long the podcast continue can continue as it costs a lot. What are the main costs? Is it paying guests? No, as I mentioned earlier. What are some ways the listeners can support your podcast? Okay, 
So the main cost is um, the producer. He certainly earns his keep. He does a great job. Shout out to Steph. Um, Liana, who works with me, um, you know, I pay her an hourly rate to to support me on all of this. Um, There's an agency that takes a cut of any advertising that I do get and as does the platform, so Acast. Um, They take the bulk of it actually. Um, So each podcast app costs me a couple of hundred dollars. Um, So, you know, now that I'm doing two, it's, um, it's quite a bit. The ads uh, situation, so you probably know that I have those sort of um, ads that sort of run, they're like just standard like radio ads, and then there's the sponsored ads where I do the read. In both cases, I have quite narrow parameters. I won't do a whole bunch of things, junk food, um, disposable fashion, obviously anything to do with fossil fuels, I mean within reason because everything has something to do with fossil fuels. Um, I've narrowed the parameters quite a lot, but the upside means that if people do partner with me, um, it generally in, in that sponsorship, that read out sponsorship thing where I do the reading, I it generally means it's a product that I'm happy to endorse. So it gets a get a dull tick from me, um, and that's I guess worth something. Uh, now the problem is is that brands in Australia um, tend to sponsor male podcasts. Uh, they also tend to sponsor podcasts that are cheerful, you know lots of laughing, lots of celebrity gossip, that kind of thing. Um, There's just not a lot of support from brands, any kind of brand, even the sort of consciously minded brands for women doing meteor conversations. And that's something I've discussed with a number of podcasters elsewhere in the world. It's um, fairly consistent. Um, So, you know, I've had, I think, close on a million and a half downloads. Um, I have a rating of 4.9, which I think is I'm very proud of, and 620 or 630 reviews. Um, so thank you for all of you listening who have contributed to those. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I think that the problem I have is that I think brands in general, and I used to find this um, in a number of forums, think that anyone, a female who's an activist, it's sort of like a hobby. You used to do it on the side um, and uh, you do it because you love it, you know, a little bit like a knitting group or something. Um, I've been on panels right, panels organised by environmental groups, climate action groups with money, where there's three men and me and all the men were paid and I was not. Um, That's happened on several occasions. Um, And I've spoken to women in the US who podcast and, you know, people like Krista Tippett, she relies on philanthropic funding, so from a benefactor. Um, So I know a number of you have asked, um, you know, how you might be able to help. Well, I suppose if you are in the marketing department of a like-minded brand and you'd like to um, perhaps think about partnering and doing a sort of a sponsorship arrangement, please reach out. Um, that'd be wonderful. Um, I'm not great at dealing with money stuff, so it's something that I find difficult to manage. But it's a catch-22, right, because I need to pay for this um, so that I can keep it going. Um yeah, so it's it's a tricky one. It's a really tricky one. Um, and as I say, I do have parameters. You know, I won't throw out sponsored ads about cheap and nasty things that I don't think the planet needs. But the flip side is, is that if you are a legitimate brand with a great message, um, I'm pretty good at selling them in. So anyway, that's that. Um, I don't want to turn this into a marketing outreach, but also, um, you know, it's it, 
it's uh, one of the catch 22s that I face as well. And I'll, I'll just, I'll do this small reach out if you don't mind. Um, having video, good video production um, on podcasts is actually really key and everyone talks about it. And the podcasts that do well are generally those that have the high quality video production. They've got investors or somebody who's able to pay for that. And then it can go up on TikTok and YouTube and that's when you get real traction. Um, I don't have such funds or expertise at the moment. So I guess what I could say is if you are somebody who's got some spare time and that is your expertise and you would like to, I don't know, help out, uh, contribute, um, that could be fun. I would be certainly interested. Um, I think the best idea is if I open up a thread on Substack. Uh, so go to sarahwilson.substack.com and um, I'd really, I'll put it out to the community. If you've got ideas, if you would like to be an intern um, doing sort of the video stuff or perhaps even doing designing, um, I don't know, some crazy, wild, clever social media assets, that would be awesome. I am I'm well versed in working with young people with crazy ideas who like to take what I do and fuck it up. I love it. I love seeing um, what people can can create and I'm open to it. So if you are great at fuck uppery, please do feel free to contact me. Um, you can do that in the comments thread here uh, or in the thread that I'll start on ideas for keeping this podcast alive. I'll have to make a decision on it all fairly soon. I um I'm finding it. I'm finding it super super hard um, financially um, to be paying <laughs> to be doing this podcast. As much as I love it, as much as I love it. Anyway, um, I hope Kai, I've answered your questions. Um, I'm happy to answer further questions in the comments thread over at Substack. So if you're listening to this on Apple or Spotify, I'm over there. Um, and for those of you who are watching the video, you can probably see oh, that's sort of Paris. It's outside my apartment. Um, this is my very messy apartment and down there you can see all the bits of paper um, that I uh, that I work to, bits of paper on the floor as I'm trying to thrash out this next book, uh, which is coming along. Anyway, uh, 20 minutes, that's enough. We will speak again next week. Thanks. Thanks.